0: Are you concerned about how much money it takes to launch your product on Amazon? Today, we're gonna to talk to a millionaire Amazon seller who has already spent $150,000 on his launch and he doesn't even have a live listing yet. Say what? What? Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers podcast by Helium 10. I'm your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. And today, our guest is Steve, coming at us from Florida, who definitely has a unique story and some really crazy and unique strategies that he does for e-commerce. Steve, how's it going?
1: Hey man, really good. Thanks for having me here today, Bradley. Um, I'm honored to be on this uh, podcast with you here today.
0: I'm honored to have you on. You're like a a mini Dan Blizzardine or whatever his name is, or or a young Hugh Hefner. It's like, uh, I see you in the Instagram and you've got like all these... You know, fancy cars and twenty models always, and mansions. It's like I, I was like, i gotta I gotta interview Steve. I didn't know he was he was a big baller like this. I want to see what his story is because I'm like, you obviously probably have a unique origin story. So I live a little bit differently, yes, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we're definitely gonna give a shout out for your Instagram handle later on so people can go see what I'm talking about. I am not exaggerating here, guys. This guy is living the life now, I want to get back to before you became the Steve that we all know and love now, like, I know you live in Orlando now. Is that where you're from?
1: Yeah, um, I grew up in Lakeland, Florida, which is situated about an hour each way between Tampa and Orlando. And uh, when I graduated high school, I had to kind of make a choice. My parents would want me to go to North Florida to play soccer for Jacksonville and kind of fell in love with a girl in Orlando. And so I ended up, you know, moving to Orlando. There was no questions asked. I was like, bam, no soccer, let's go.
0: <laughs> All right, So, so then did you go to university or college in Orlando? I did, but I didn't take the traditional path. Uh, My parents are both
1: educators and uh, really wanted me to go to a four-year school and, you know, get a traditional degree. And after the first uh, semester of college, I'd already dropped out. I didn't tell them. um, And I was working valet and, you know, just kind of making two, three hundred bucks a night cash, working, driving fancy cars, getting inspired. Um, but I ended up going to Full Sail, uh, which is a university here in town for more of a technical, uh, approach to real world applications versus kind of going and learning the books. So, um, I often tell people I can't spell right and use it, you know, do, do crazy math equations, but I said, thank God for calculators and spell check.
0: There you go. All right. So you, you got your, well, well, is that a bachelor's degree that you can get from there or just a associate's degree or what is that?
1: I only got an associate's of science degree. They offer bachelor's and master's now, but at the time, their accreditation wasn't all the way tuned up to what they are today.
0: Okay. So did you, from an earlier age, already have that kind of entrepreneurial bug or, or do you envision yourself working for the man or? Yeah. I mean,
1: so I went to private school and my parents, God bless them. You know, they all along they hustled, they took out second mortgages on their house. They put in the extra work teaching summer school. And, you know, my dad was a collegiate umpire and stuff like that, just to be able to provide for us the, the things that they wanted us to have. And, um, but those same things are putting me in environments like private school and stuff growing up around kids whose fathers and mothers were doc- doctors and lawyers and, you know, business owners and whatnot. And I quite didn't always understand at, you know, 10, 11, 12, while I was being dropped off in like the Astro minivan, while they were pulling up in the Mercedes, when they had the car phones and we had the pagers or none, when they had the Tommy Hill figures and polos and I had to shop at Kmart. And I didn't understand the connection, but until I was about really 18 and uh, my first wife, her father um, said to me, he goes, son, he goes, there's only two people in the world that make money. And he goes, that's business owners. And he goes, and that's doctors and lawyers. He goes, which one are you going to do? And I go, I'm going to own a business.
0: <laughs> nice. Nice. So then what what was your first, like, how, how did you do, like, what was your first kind of like business that you would start on your own?
1: At uh, about 11 years old, my dad bought a riding lawnmower and um, I started riding around the block and uh, just asking people to mow their lawns. And um, the lawnmower went super fast. It wasn't one of those like zero turn radius ones like we have today. And uh, my dad said, only one person on at a time. And I like to ride things. I was like a go-kart kid and stuff like that. And no sooner than we got down the block, we disobeyed. We got on it. And I ran it through this lady's garage door. So I obviously <laughs> had to pay her back for like this thousand dollar garage door. So I had to mow her lawn for free. So I'd negotiated with her putting a sign in her lawn that said lawns, you know, $10 a month. I had the whole neighborhood unlocked by the time I was done. And um, mowing lawns was kind of boring because I played sports. So I had to kind of play sports on weekends. And that's when a lot of people wanted their lawns to look pretty and stuff. So I eventually outsourced that to one of the guys in the neighborhood and continued to play sports got jobs at like Hungry Howie's and, you know, retail and stuff like that at like 17 flipping pizzas and working in, you know, Good Vibrations, which is now Sun. And, you know, that just really wasn't for me, but that was just to kind of appease the parents because I was a little bit of a troublemaker if I wasn't focused on something and doing something constructive.
0: I could see how that could have happened. <laughs> now, so like, when did you first start making serious money then?
1: I graduated at 20 years old, started my first business. And what I did upon graduation, this is 19. Uh, I went to school in 99 at Full Sail and I graduated in 2001. And uh, I, I ran off copies of my digital resume, which had like a macromedia director on there. It had some games. It had some website design. It had some video, all kinds of stuff that I had done through my portfolio while at school. And um, I literally went in there and like ran off copies of my resume and got some CDs burned. And I put rollerblades on my feet, literally, and went up and down buildings, downtown Orlando, research park out by UCF. And I was just handing out my information. And what I used to guide me was the Florida film book, because I figured all those people in that book were technical and doing like digital media and stuff like that. So by the time I'd followed up with all my notes, like two weeks later, everyone that I handed my resume to and whatnot, I had enough freelance work to keep me busy because no one was really hiring full time, but they needed a the logo. They needed this. They need some edits on their website, blah, 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 blah. So, um, I went through and called back all my classmates and I was like, Hey, I need your help. I need your help. I need your help. Same thing that happened at the lawnmower. And, um, I, at 20, I had a business. It was called Ultima Design Group. And, um, we were designing, you know, nightclub stuff to, you know, retail e-commerce stores and stuff like that. And I would walk in and pitch stuff and sell stuff. I had no idea how I was going to do it because I didn't learn ASP.net or cold fusion and stuff like that in school but I knew kids that knew it. So I would sell it as if I was doing it myself and boom, get the contract, bam, hire the guy. And we were off. Um, I started pulling in, you know, at 21, um, I was married and and soon divorced um, within the same year. But, you know, as a single dude at 21 years old, I was making $40,000 a year hustling on my own, selling kind of digital media marketing and stuff like that to businesses door to door.
0: That's awesome. So how did that, I'm assuming you kind of use that to kind of segue into something else or what was the moment where it was just like, Holy crap.
1: What happened was, is, you know, I kind of went back in between some period of, you know, being like a freelance independent contractor through my own business to working at back in ad agencies to learn a little bit more, learn a little bit deeper, learn more techniques and stuff like that. And, um, it was about, I think, like 2006. Um, I got into uh, an old school forum, and this is like an old school digital marketing forum called the Rich Jerk. And um, the guy the owned it was named Kelly Felix, and he was like this mystery man. And uh, one of the guys in the in the forum had befriended me and said, "Hey, like, I've got this guy. He's a moderator. He's coming in town. He wants to meet you." And I'm like, "Meet me? Like, why?" And um, so anyways, I had a meeting that day with the general manager of the Washington Nationals, Jim Bowden. And um, he was in town for spring training. And I was like rebranding uh, his at the time, his girlfriend's uh, name. She was SAG uh, actress and they wanted to give her a new kind of brand in, in the SAG space. So they changed her name and did all this type of remarketing for her. And, um, so I leave that meeting and we go pick up this guy at the airport and he's like fully tatted down both arms and I'm in a suit and he's looking at me and I'm looking at him going like, what are we doing here? Like this hot, like what, <laughs> what's, what's going on? So anyways, this guy comes over to my house and he's like, dude, I'm killing it on MySpace. I'm doing this. I'm writing articles. I'm ranking number one, you know, using the site called squid at the time. And he had all these tools and tips and techniques that he was doing. And I was like, he was actually showing them to me. And I'm like, this guy's either really stupid or he's a big liar or what. And then he starts showing his revenue to me. And I'm like, holy shit, this guy's real. And, um, so I really just befriended the guy and I said, Hey, look, whatever I can do for you, you know, you need a, you need a logo, you need a skin on a blog, you need this, you need that. I was like, let me just help you. I said, I want to learn from you. So I would again, burn my midnight hours with him, you know, servicing his business, but I I learned that I wasn't doing it right. I was doing it as if I was servicing someone that was paying me, not someone that was working in the marketing field, because he was like, you got to go fast. He's like, by the time you delivered that file to me, he's like, I've already run three tests and know my winner. And you took too long. And I was like, what? I'm doing it right. Like, this is what I was trying to do. And so I, I kind of learned the difference between, you know, digital art and design and marketing design. And there there was a little bit of a difference there. And so through that disconnect and through that friendship, I just began to get a little bit closer. Um, soon thereafter, um, there was a group of about five of us that were, um, I I'll, I'll admit it. We were kind of doing some black hat stuff, you know, um, it's not something I'm proud of, but it's part of what got me here. And, um, and, uh, we were doing some black hat, you know, CPA affiliate marketing, you know, using MySpace and, you know, spamming and all kinds of stuff. And we were making a lot of money. And, um, when I say a lot of money, you know, like individually, I was making 20 to $50,000 a month and my annual job salary at the time I was working at Starwood hotels and resorts at the corporate, I was only making like 55, 60 a year. And, um,
0: And you'd be making that in like two months with your side
1: hustle. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, so we all kind of started feeling like this isn't what we should be doing for life. This is something that we should have been doing temporary and we should actually stop and like our conscious kind of got a hold of us a little bit. And so we said, Hey, look, anyone that does this from this day on, we're going to sell you out. We're going to blog about it. We're going to tell about it. And your, your name's grass, you know? So everyone, you know, in our group stopped doing this like immediately. And now we're sitting there going, what do we do? And uh, so we all had this money sitting around and like, we're like, why don't we start the same business that we're screwing over? And I I know that sounds terrible in life, but um, (laughs) we had an angle to it. We're like, Hey, look, we understand what's going on here from kind of like a black hat standpoint and our business, we can stand in between that and protect advertisers against that. So then that became kind of like our our unique selling point to advertisers as we onboarded them. Like, hey, don't work with them and them and them. They let all this fraud happen. They let all this, you know, black hat, you know, CPA go by that you're not going to get, you know, it's not going to back out for your business. Whereas we can protect that. And Here's how we do that. And people were intrigued. Well, fast forward to today. There's actually automated software that detects that. You know, there's tons of stuff out there that detects bots and proxies and this and that, and digital fingerprints and all that type of stuff. But that's basically what we were doing early on in 2008. So we launched our, our CPA affiliate network in 2008, um, 2007 rather. And um, by January one, 2008, we'd done one million dollars in revenue in a single month. And we all kind of looked at each other and were like, "We're quitting our jobs." <laughs> And so we all kind of like quit our jobs. And what that meant is my partner, who's still my partner today, Michael. Um, he quit his job. He was a COO at another uh, similar situated company. Uh, Ruck quit all the things that he was doing at the time. The other guys all quit everything that they were doing. And we just focused 100% on that company. And um, we we really grew pretty rapidly. And um, I think it was kind of we were like a little bit of like the bad boys group. You know, we were we had kind of components of like forum moderators and wicked fire and the rich jerk and the blogging aspect. And we were kind of like a little network at the time for the people. Whereas a lot of the networks at the time were like these bigger conglomerates that had, you know, public funding and whatnot. So it it just became, I think like a cool thing to be a part of. And I think we just did it right at the time. And I think we were in the right place at the right time with the right message and things really accelerated really quickly from there.
0: So, like at the peak, you know, like how much could you pull in from from doing doing that on an individual basis?
1: Uh, what do you mean on an individual basis?
0: Like, you know, not for the whole company, but like, you know, were you paid salary or just like dividends or like how did that work? We were just dividing
1: up profits basically at the end of the month. Um, we would keep enough operating cash flow in the bank, and you know, roll that over based on you know what kind of um, cash flow that we had out in the space, meaning that hadn't come back yet. And, uh, okay. yeah, so we would just divide up. And so, you know, it, w- it was crazy. I still remember it today. We'd sit in the conference room, which was like these bookcases that would go up like 20 feet to the ceiling. And, um, it was all wood. And we had this wooden table in the center and like one guy would go to the bank and bring back a duffel bag full of money. We would just sit in there and just play with it. We're like, here, 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 you know. <laughs> and oh, that was just a good old days. I mean, like we didn't really, under- I didn't, I mean, I paid all my taxes, but I didn't really understand taxes at the time. I was just like, yes, spend, <laughs> go. <laughs> Yeah. So I think that same year, um, like as soon as I got that, you know, that money was coming in so fast, uh, I immediately went out and bought my dream car, which is my, uh, 08 Lamborghini Huracan. I'm sorry, Giarda spider at the time. And, um, of course I had to drive it back to my previous job because the guy was a, a kind of a jerk and fired me and thought I was a, you know, just like a waste of space. And I was like, Hey, called Jeff out of his office and tell him to come to the second floor, look out the window. And there I am sitting in the park. <laughs> just had to do that. That was classic. Um, but yeah, so from there, I mean, we just continued to really position ourselves as like the fun group. Like when we would go to trade shows, we had kegs at our booth. We, you know, we would bring girls, we'd bring cool swag, you know, we would sponsor fun parties with like rappers and stuff like that. We just did things that were unordinary. And we took a different path to everyone else in the industry that was kind of, you know, having meet and greets and like, you know, round tables and stuff like that. That was fun. But really, these 20 year old kids, they wanted to go see Asai berry jelly wrestling. They really wanted to see a rap battle, you know, like they didn't they came there for work, but they wanted to make connections and have a fun time. And so that's exactly what we did. And that's why we became kind of like the people's network back then.
0: OK, so then. That, you know, made you a millionaire, but then at one, at some point, did did that business start going down or you kind of said, Hey, you know, I'm not sure if this is sustainable or, or what kind of moved you from the service to other things?
1: I wouldn't say the business started going down, but I would say it was a combination of things, right? Because over the time of, you know, from 2007 to where we are today, almost in 2020, Um, Entire industries would get zapped. And what I mean by that is like online education, for example, used to generate a lot of leads for schools. And today they don't allow that same type of marketing, right? Um, You know, we used to generate like auto warranty or this or work at home. And there's been regulation that's come down from the federal government. And what we've done is we've basically closed off those verticals. And so each time you close off a vertical, I mean, especially if you were smashing that one, it's gone. You know, dating used to be able to be run on Facebook. You can't run dating ads on Facebook unless it's whitelisted these days. And that's not going to happen through a third party, much less an affiliate. That's going to happen through the direct company itself or their appointed agency. So, you know, we've seen more or less industries get zapped. But and we've also seen uh, there was a point in time in like maybe 2010 where um, a a piece of software came out and they offered like a ninety nine dollar trial. And we were previously on like software that cost you know, 10, $20,000 a month. And we're going $99. So what you had is you had a bunch of just like renegades popping up with like affiliate networks at the time that were going on of business within six to 12 months because of mismanagement of cash or this or that, what have you. And so then a lot of our business went elsewhere because they were running on smaller margins. They were taking bigger risks. They were, you know, doing things that were unorthodox and unheard of kind of like what we did when we started to get attention. But we just kind of sat back and chilled and held our ground and little by little, those guys dropped out of the space, um, uh, for one reason or another. And people then saw kind of the instability, the instability of those types of companies that were new, you know, moonshots and stuff like that with no real background. And they started coming back to, home base where they felt the stability was and and they could trust.
0: So then what was your first entry like into the e-commerce world? You know, this is, you know, what you're doing was, you know, as an agency kind of as a service, but what inspired you to start saying, Hey, I want to start selling products or, or build a brand.
1: Well, our, our company um, has really uh, focused around um, for the years, really uh, selling e-commerce type products, direct to consumer marketing. So, um, we've sold a lot of stuff in this space on what's called a risk-free trial and we sold, you know, skin creams and, you know, nutraceuticals and, you know, men's supplements and stuff like that. And so I think it was like one day in like 2011 or 12, um, I was like, Hey, like let's, let's come up with our own skincare line. So, um, I, I went and sought like a, a really like high-end skincare, uh, you know, packaging, bottling, you know, formula, all types of stuff our cost of goods was a little bit higher than our, you know, the people that we were competing against, but I felt really good about it. And, um, we, we got into some legal trouble that shouldn't have been there. Um, it was a mistake. We got, I kind of got lumped in because, um, one of the guys on the team had copied terms and conditions from a competitor sounds really stupid, but that person that they were investigating happened to be the terms and conditions that we copied. And they also happened to be in the same kind of, um, zip code as us. It wasn't anything to do with us. So we got like tied up in this and I'm like going, Oh no, why us? And then that was the reason why. And at the time I said, look, I don't have time for this. I said, there's a way bigger business over here with way more important stuff going on. So after doing about a million dollars in sales, we cut that business, just cold turkey inventory and everything. We just stopped. We said done. And that was my first taste and I really liked it. But I mean, I wasn't the one controlling the day-to-day of it. So I was, I was quick to cut it because the other business, you know, convert to was much more important at the time. So fast forward to, um, really about 2016. And, um, you know, at this point, this has gone on now for eight, nine years, almost running an affiliate network. And I wouldn't use the word on board because every day is a new day. When you walk into the office, there's always a new fire. There's always a new challenge or something like that. But, um, I personally gotten bored a little bit because I'd handed off a lot of my roles and responsibilities to other employees and, and that have become, you know, uh, operators or, you know, managers or, you know, what have you. And so that is a good thing when they're filtering all that stuff off of your, off of your desk and like, where you don't have to handle that stuff on a day to day basis. But at the same time, it opened up so much more room in my brain to do something new. And, um, I don't know what it was that gave. Oh yeah, so I decided to take the the team, um, the creative team, to Traffic and Conversion Summit in 2016. Came back, came into the office on a Saturday immediately following the event. Said, "What are we going to do? What are we going to build? We're going to build something. Here we go." And you know, we whiteboarded out a creative session, and somehow we ended up on yoga. I've never done yoga. I've never been on a mat. I don't know anything about yoga. (laughs) I couldn't even still today hardly tell you many of the the poses. Um, but we ended up on yoga. And so we went really hard. And when I say hard, I mean like everything else I do, I had a lot of money to fund this. And so I went and bought camera and video equipment to the tunes of, you know, probably $150,000. I bought a house to do filming and video in downtown that wasn't in an HOA so that we could just park in the yard and do whatever. Um, I hired a girl and got her her yoga teacher training. Um, I bought products in and around the entire yoga niche. And I just jumped in with both feet super hard. And um, I was sitting there beating my head after like a year um, of like, why isn't this working? Um, and, I, and I blamed it on myself because I'd gotten in a car accident in 2016. And I spent a lot of time in the hospital recovering from uh, a near death experience. And I was like, well, this is why it's not working. We just need to give it more time. It takes time to build a brand. But the, the, the God honest truth now that I look back on it and reflect on it was because we didn't start with real data. We didn't start with metrics. We didn't start with information. We started with an idea and we started with money. And those two things don't help you pave the way to success always, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Later, obviously, we discovered, you know, the Helium 10 tools in the group and got in the elite and really started digging deeper into what that meant for what we were doing. And pretty much that taught us that we should just kill it <laughs> because mm-hmm. it was kind of a race to the bottom. And some of the products that we bought, we bought it, you know, the pricing was a little too high, super competitive um, and and whatnot. So um, it, that didn't really chalk it up as a loss because really as a whole, the team learned so much stuff, um, you know, through going through those exercises of content and commerce and Amazon and email and this and many chat and that and ads and, you know, everyone could pull away and say they learned something, but me and my partner lost a lot of money.
0: So. Like how much money do you, you think you lost total I mean, with all those, I mean, buying houses and all that stuff.
1: The house isn't a loss. So I, the, 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 the losses that I put in the category of losses would be the, the human capital that I employed for three years and, you know, the <laughs> warehousing, the forklift, the racking, you know, the, the equipment for video, um, as, as well as the stuff I imported I would say between seven
0: and $800,000. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, most people would love to make that in their life, let alone lose. It, so- it
1: was significant and it hurt. And you know, me, I'm a, I'm a tough, I'm a tough guy to the end. And like, I didn't really want to face the music that it was failed, but it was, and and we gave it every effort, even when we started really tracking like every dollar and cent and trying to, you know, cut down like expenses and stuff like that. But We still couldn't get it to where we wanted it to be. And for that reason, you know, we had to let really good people go. And um, I'm still in touch with those people. Some of those people have gotten, you know, tremendous jobs, their job of their dreams. Uh, One of the guys working now for Disney and doing like film and video. He's in Hong Kong right now. You know, another girl's working for Yogi Approved and like doing like online digital lessons for Yogi Approved. and I mean, So the people came out of it better uh, that worked there. Um, but the business itself failed, but so look, I, I, I still help change people's lives. So that makes me happy. Yeah.
0: So then this was recently that you just kind of like decided, Hey, this yoga is not going to work, right? Yeah. That was probably
1: about mm-hmm. seven months to a year ago. Yeah.
0: Okay. And then, so since then, you started thinking about, you know, getting into the supplements or that was just a recent thing or you have been developing other things or what? I've
1: always been in supplements and supplements were something that we've always excelled in at my, you know, my primary business in the CPA affiliate network space. Um, and so one of the things that I learned about the products that I selected for yoga were one, there weren't too unique two, uh, the packet, you know, they were kind of bulkier package, you know, some of the mats were, you know, 12 bucks to ship to California just due to the weight and the size and this and that. Um, and then other things were just too generic and it was just a race to the bottom and it just wasn't sustainable. Um, but I've always sold supplements. And so, um, I, I still don't want to be kind of like heavy supplements, but I recently found a product in the supplement space. Um, I like supplements because they're replenishable. And so if you have a good product that actually works or people believe they work, some stuff's placebo, right? Like if you wake up and take a garlic pill every day is it really curing you and doing this I don't know, but if you feel better and you you know feel that it's doing something for you you'll continue to take it so um, you know i I got a supplement in the in the process right now um, I was gonna make a custom formula and go that route, but I ended up finding someone last minute that uh, had a formula really close to what I was looking for and um, I'd been in touch with him I was able to negotiate you know a, a lot of uh, the money off the top line that they were asking for on the product, just because I used a lot of leverage and, um, got in, got in with what I wanted. I felt it was a good price. And, uh, right now I'm just getting the labels approved and th- that's about to go live here in a couple, a couple of days now.
0: So yeah, th- this is what, you know, I had said at the beginning was the main crux, uh, is just so mind-boggling to me. So you haven't even you know started on your Amazon launch yet. Now you know some people stress about how much launches cause. Like oh my god, I have to do spend a thousand dollars on a giveaway or two thousand dollars on special PPC for a couple of weeks. Now you have not even you don't even have listings for Amazon yet. You wanted you decided to to kind of do your launch kind of off Amazon first, like make a big splash at the EDC music festival. Now let everybody know. How much money you have sunk into the launch yet without even having spent one cent on Amazon?
1: Uh, probably about one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars.
0: Oh my goodness! All right, so now tell me, Steve, how is this different than what you blindly did with that yoga stuff? Like you, it sounded like you were just throwing money left and right without metrics and stuff. Like, so what's different about this time that gave you the comfort that you're gonna drop six six figures? on this, on this launch? One, the
1: name of the company I thought really, uh, fits really well with this music industry and festival kind of, uh, crowd. Um, I'll go ahead and say it, you know, the, the name has the word dope in it. So, I mean, dope means cool. Dope means dopamine. Dope means drugs, you know, dope means a lot of things in this, like, it's a very trendy word right now. So dope vitamins was the word, uh, that I went ahead and, you know, found a trademark on for this product. And um, I noticed that, you know, I've been going to festivals for like the last three years here in Orlando. I'm not a festival junkie. I don't follow DJs. I'm not a big, I'm not a groupie of anything like that in life. And um, I'm really close with some of the insomniac uh, people. I might have uh, upset them a little bit this weekend, but hopefully they can forgive me. But um, yeah, so I noticed that, you know, with festivals, there's Corona, there's Smirnoff, there's this, there's even Tender and Bumble, but there's nothing synonymous with health or wellness. and. I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, wow, all these people out here, are wrecking their bodies, they're getting drunk, they're waking up early, they're going to bed late, they're not sleeping at all, they're eating poorly, they're out in the sun, they're dehydrated, they're broke, you know, like they're spending all their money on festival tickets. I was like, how can I help these people with a line of supplements? And so I came up with like a, a series of, you know, five supplements that kind of tell a story of, you know, start to finish and, uh, either throughout the festival weekend or, you know, leading up to the festival and festival close. And, um, I worked with a a team of professionals, put together packaging, design, branding, formulations, and the whole works. And then I organized basically uh, a lot of promotional product because I'm really good at, for some reason, organizing girls. (laughs) And, um, so I, I put together uh, three different outfits, one being a Jersey, one being a bikini and another one kind of being like a Yeah, like a strappy bikini type thing, and um, and then I started looking at the festival as a whole. I was like, how you know, what else? What else can I do to get something in people's hands? And so I started looking at all the merchandise that they sell at merch tents, and I said, okay, what of that is the cheapest? What's the lightest to ship? So I applied all the knowledge I learned about shipping and you know, you know, getting products in hands and stuff like that. And um, I used every opportunity to brand the company. I bought really good domains um, like buydope.com, freedope.org. I couldn't get the dot com and stuff like that. So I I, I just went all in and I I just I I just I just have this feeling when I did it. And um, last minute, as I was preparing to go to the festival, I had pretty much everything organized. I had everything in hand besides my vitamins and supplements. And I was kind of stressing out. I reached out to one of my friends. It's like a producer and he represents a lot of different, you know, top DJs in the world. And I said, Hey, is there any chance you think I can get a DJ to wear some of these extra jerseys that I have? He's like, yeah. I was like, fantastic. So I started wiring DJs money like the week before the festival. And I you know, had my lawyer draft up contracts. And uh, next thing you know, I've got over 13 DJs playing at EDC wearing this Jersey that says dot on it. And obviously every DJ's got their own photographer, videographer, they're streaming this stuff live. I mean, there's all this stuff going on. And I'm like, when the DJ's on the camera, what's on the camera, their back, their shoulders their face. So I was like, Mm -hmm. this is, I would go to YouTube and I'd look at, you know, type in EDC or Tomorrowland or this or that or ultra. And these videos have 4 million views on them. 700,000 views, 70,000 views. I'm like, well, that's gotta be a cheap CPM. If you divide that by this, I was like, okay, this will work. So, um, so we went out there, I'd, I'd contracted a couple of limos, I'd gotten uh, EDC to kind of create a special space for us, like where we would really be seen. I imported champagne buckets, um, gave them to all the nightclub venues in town, gave them to all uh, EDC for all their Skydeck uh, clientele. Um, I gave out what they called Clack fans, as big fans, and it had a QR code on it. Gave 20,000 fans out the festival guests, everyone loved them, I was putting fans in hands all day. bam, 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 bam. Um, I made refraction glasses that were made out of paper, like three cents a piece, um, with branding on them, QR codes on them, and domains. Put them in hands all day long. Uh, made twenty thousand of those. Um, I had uh, four hundred jerseys. Um, I have people asking me to buy the jerseys. I don't think I can sell the jerseys. I have to figure out like what's the deal because Dope owns a trademark on, of course, Dope itself. But I think if it's a Dope vitamins jersey, it's fine. So, but people are asking me to buy the jerseys and the bikinis, and like. I didn't even really know where this was going to go, but I just knew that there was something missing here. And now I've got DJs contacting me, uh, you know, ravers, shufflers, wanting to be brand ambassadors. And I'm overwhelmed right now. I'm like, I just said to my attorney today, I was like, I need an operations guy that's familiar with events and festivals and, you know, ambassadors and this and that, because, This is a little bit over my head, even though I've been quite successful as an entrepreneur and running different types of businesses. This is definitely like new territory for me. And I recognize that. And I want to go fast and go hard and not have any, you know, any opportunity for people to slide in what I've created.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, I was watching your Instagram. This is actually the first EDC Orlando I haven't been in like three years. That was Mm -hmm. the first ever EDC I went. But so I was just watching living vicariously through your Instagram. You guys had an airplane with a banner oh, yeah. flying around. So, yeah. EDC.
1: I got, I got, uh, there were some emails going around at corporate, uh, at insomniac and they, they were pretty upset because the banner that was pulled around is a hundred foot long banner by 40 feet tall. that said free dope. And, uh, it said text, uh, 21 uh, dope to 2100, uh, to win one K a day. And so I literally gave away $3,000 after the festival to three winners I used a, a software called Viral Sweep, and I opted people in. I had over ten thousand three hundred entries opt in. It really didn't back out from what I, what the expense was on the plane itself, but I think the exposure that we got as a group was undeniably there. Right, I had I, hoped for way more opt-ins into the contest, but um, you know the data that I got, I think, is good enough data to start any lookalike audience um, because the majority of people were coming in from you know the exact domain, and it wasn't like people had posted on like sweepstakes sites or Reddit like giveaways or something like that. Like these were like real EDM people. I started looking at their Instagrams and stuff like that. So we got a uh, really good exposure through that. I flew that around uh, Orlando for three days. Uh, it's a free dope of course. And, and then they were like, well, we technically don't own the airspace. You win, sir. And I was like, Steve, one, EDC, zero. <laughs> <laughs> Pasquale, zero. Yeah. Well, I love those guys. I'm not trying to create beef, you know, like I, yeah. I, I, I came in with this as like a mentality, like either work with me or work against me because I'm not going anywhere. Yeah.
0: So, so then like, what are some other metrics? You know, you said you had 10,000 opt-ins on that one contest, but like y- you've got, you know, the websites on these clacking fans and and on these handouts and, and on refraction glasses and on jerseys that, you know, DJs like Alice in Wonderland. I couldn't believe you had Alice in Allison Wonderland. Alice Wonderland
1: wore the jerseys at Nocturnal Wonderland in Columbia on the ninth. um They did crazy the EDC, but they wore it in Columbia. Yeah, that was a
0: good- So like, so like all of these things, like, you know- What are some of the the metrics have you seen like on the website? Like how many hits are you getting or how many visits, et cetera, or or how have you built your list? I don't
1: want to say that yet, but let's just say, you know, a lot of this stuff will be living on forever content, AKA YouTube Mm -hmm. and it'll be there forever. So I didn't expect to get the immediate burst of traffic because I didn't expect people to be like getting a shot of their back at the festival and typing in buy dope and trying to go buy something on e-commerce So it's more like the branding and exposure that I'm trying to expose a mass audience all at once because people were, I mean, Twitter ads contacted me when I was running a campaign on there and said, Hey, I've seen you guys at the festival last year. I want to work this account. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, man, I took your stuff and it really works. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) So people feel like they've seen us because of how fast I went out there. And like, no one would believe that I organized all that in six to eight weeks.
0: Yeah. And I know you're, you're going to start getting some, I mean, once you do, you know, launch the Amazon, I mean, like if you type in right now, you probably don't even know this, but this all happened. What? Two days ago. I mean, easy, actually, no. Yeah. Yeah. EDC ended two day the day before yesterday. Uh-huh. If you go to Amazon right now and you type in D O P E space, and then V already dope vitamins comes up in the autocomplete, meaning that there's like, I'm sure helium 10 is going to show the search volume soon, but that's showing that Just based on that, you know, kind of grassroots launch that you did, there's tons of people who might have seen something and now they're like, hey, what's the next step? I want to look for it on Amazon. And and right now they're not showing anything because you're not ready on Amazon, but just shows that there are different ways to launch. I always tell people, hey, like don't do collagen peptides or something because there's, you know, people who have ridiculous you know, amount of reviews and they're, they're already making a million dollars a month on sales velocity. So like, you know, the velocity you would have to do to compete is just impossible for 99%. But Hey, if you are the 1%, if you are a Steve and you have, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars, whatever, you kind of can go to almost any category because you have what it takes in order to get there. But at the same token, the principles that are the same as any level is kind of like what you said. Some of the stuff that you were doing, it's kind of like going to live forever. You know, YouTube videos don't go away. You know, Mm the, um, the set, the uh, nocturnal wonderland set from South America or for Alice in Wonderland. That is all. I mean, I, I still listen here at the office to Cascades ultra Miami 2016 set, which was amazing. And you know, if he had a dope vitamins jersey on, I would still be having that ingrained into my head. So like five years from now, you're still gonna be reaping benefits for what you did. And so yeah, maybe the next person doesn't have hundred and fifty thousand dollars, they have fifteen hundred dollars. Well, there's something that you can do for fifteen hundred dollars, like those three cent, you know, refraction glasses that, yeah, maybe you can't scale as fast, but the cons or the principle, the concept is still there. And I think that's what you know is a great takeaway. But yeah, guys, this is something that uh, I think, you know, kind of boggles my mind. And and some of it, some of us might think, oh, that's crazy. $150,000. But guys, he's going to be reaping benefits from this, you know, for a while. So like you, there's no right or wrong way necessarily. I mean, there, there is a wrong way, but when you talk about amount of money that you're investing into your marketing, there's no right or wrong. Like you do what's within your means. This is what was in Steve's means. So this is the route that he took. But if you don't have that kind of money, that's fine. You still use the same concepts. Yeah,
1: you have to get creative. It's all about creative and finding your own path. Duplicating what someone else does and following that exact path doesn't always work for the next person on the exact same product or even a different product for that matter. And leverage whatever contacts you have, whatever resources you have. If If you're selling a supplement and it's in the workout space, go to the gym, hang out, man, find some muscle dude and ask him if he's got Instagram and if he wants a free product. I mean, you just have to get creative no matter what you're doing in life, because you can read about it. But the people that actually get out there and take action and do those weird wonky things to go out and like meet some guy at the gym that's buff. And you know, he's there five days a week and ask him to give you a testimonial. Like those are the things that go a step further that people aren't getting. And, um, you, you can follow guides, you can follow tips and you know masterminds and stuff like that. But sometimes you just have to follow your intuition and do something that you feel is going to align with it. And if you don't feel that you're sure about it, ask someone like Bradley, ask someone that's like a mentor and say, Hey, you know, there's probably things that I could have done better with some of this money. And there's, you know, reviewing all this, like kind of post mortem of like what went on this weekend. There's areas that I could have improved. There's areas that I could cut and there's areas that I would scale. So... I'll know what to do better next time. I'm not going to show you which ones I'm scaling or cutting or, scale, you know, with you guys right now, uh-huh. but th- that's, that's how you have to do it because you don't know until you try.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So along those lines, you know, you've already given us some tips, but one, one little thing that we do here on our show, I ask everybody to give me what we call that, that spells a TST 30 second tip. So just general marketing, e-commerce, something specific, something about Amazon, something about, you know, social media, what is Steve's 30 second tip that can help our listeners out there?
1: I really, you know, out of everything that I did this weekend using digital marketing, um, I think viral sweep was probably our best move. Um, Viral sweep allowed me to create a campaign, um, you know, of any sort of thing. It, It could be a giveaway. It could be cash. It could be this, it could be that, it could be anything, meet and greet, whatever. Right create a campaign. And then in order to get daily entries into this contest, they have to follow certain social actions. And those actions can even be purchasing a product, adding a product to your cart. And especially if you have your Chat for retargeting, set up for abandoned cart. Um, and then you've got you know things like follows on Instagram, Pinterest, whatever your big channels are. But grow those channels with people that are truly interested in your product. And then your remarketing and retargeting and your lookalike audience and all that type of stuff... That's I mean, that's where it all starts, right? Because if you don't have data for these platforms to learn, you don't have anything. So if you're launching a new brand or something like that, consider doing a giveaway and using a tool similar to like Gleam or Viral Sweep or something like that.
0: Okay, that's great. I've never heard of Viral Sweep before. So that's a great tip. Steve, again, thank you so much for joining us. We never had anybody like you. On the podcast before now, how can people find your Instagram or, or, or contact you or, or find you on the, on the interwebs? Well, my name is
1: Steve Howe. My last name is spelled H-O-W-E. Um, my Instagram is How Money. Um, that's pretty much where I hang out. I don't post a lot on Facebook and stuff like that, but I'm also on Facebook under Steve Howe. Um, I'm on Snapchat too, under the same thing, How Money, but I'm mostly on Instagram. That's where I do, you know, just a lot of, uh, if, if I looked at my phone and where I spend a lot of my time, I think Instagram's on there <laughs> too much. <laughs> so yeah, you can follow Sweet. me on Instagram. I love to connect with people. You know, hit me up on Facebook. I love connecting with entrepreneurs, helping people, talking to people. Um, you know, it's, it's a give and take world, right? So sometimes I'm accepting people's advice and help and tips and other times I'm giving it, but I don't charge. I'm not a guru. I'm not looking to start a mastermind or anything like that. So it's just, uh, you know, say what's up.
0: All right. Awesome. Steve, thanks a lot. And we'll be seeing you soon, maybe at one of the next elite workshops here in California. Absolutely. See you soon, man. Thanks Bradley for having me. Quick note, guys, don't forget that regardless where you are listening to this podcast, whether it's on your iPhone or on Stitcher or on Spotify, that you hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified every time we drop a new episode.